Hey everyone, this is Joe Waters at Cause Talk Radio, and I'm here with my fabulous host, Megan Strand. How you doing, Megan? I am excellent, Joe. I'm excited for today's show. Oh, October 1st. I That's can't right. believe it. I know. Yeah, and you know, it's so good that it is October 1st because, and you know, with design on our part, we have a great guest. We have Samantha King, Associate Professor at Queen's University in Ontario, and she is the author of the 2006 book, Pink Ribbons, Inc., which was the inspiration for the movie Pink Ribbons, Inc. that came out in 2011. Hey, Samantha, how are you doing today? Very well. Thanks for having me on the show. Oh, thank you. It's a real pleasure. And I mean, you know, there's so much talk in October about uh, Pinktober, uh, w- you know, which I think is kind of an unfortunate, bit, Samantha, because I'm such a big fan of Halloween. I really want to get to that. You know? <laughs> uh, but, you know, Pinktober, we got to talk about it. I mean, there's so much going on. Uh, why don't you tell us, uh, why don't we start, Samantha, by you telling us a little bit about your book and some of the, you know, the foundation statements that you make that you want to get across today? Well, the big point of the book is that in spite of all the money that's been raised for breast cancer research and awareness and uh, all the attention that's been focused on the disease, we've actually seen very little change in terms of incidence rates or mortality rates or the treatment options available for women. And so the book really questions the uh, approach that we've taken to the disease over the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. Can you, one of the things that I should have known and didn't and was embarrassed that I didn't know as I was reading through your book was how October National Breast Cancer Awareness Month started. Can you tell our listeners for those that might be similarly in the dark? Yeah, so Breast Cancer Awareness Month was actually created by what is now known as AstraZeneca, the pharmaceutical Mm -hmm. company that makes the best-selling cancer drug, Mm -hmm. Tamoxifen. And they uh, created it in the 1980s to promote mammography. Uh, Mm -hmm. Of course, subsequently, it took on a life of its own with thousands of corporations and nonprofit organizations and individuals raising money for breast cancer. But that is its origins. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, Samantha, when you talk about uh, Pinktober and the promotions that we see, are you really questioning the nature and the value of those packs? Or are you really saying, you know, all this work, we really just haven't accomplished that much? Well, there are certainly, course, marketing efforts that support breast cancer that I think are more valuable than mm-hmm. others. And you really have to take the products and the campaigns on an individual basis. But in general, my argument would be that we're going to have a hard time winning uh, the struggle against a disease that is linked to consumer lifestyles and and the ingestion of carcinogens that tend to go along with that by asking people to buy more stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's kind of like, you know, there's a there's a famous thing that Thoreau said that, you know, that most people are kind of beating at the branches and not really digging at the root of the problem. Is that what you think the case is here? Exactly. And, and there's really a need to step back and and look at the, the bigger picture. Uh, as uh, one of the critics says in the film, there's all this money flooding into the cause and there's endless repetition in research agendas and, and massive gaps, too, and nobody's minding the store. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One of the things that you talk about in the book is that 
the breast cancer movement tends to focus on a cure. Um, and, 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 you know, you make reference to these pharmaceutical companies that are, that are involved in the fact that mammography is sort of the number one um, solution that they're pushing and, and not prevention. Can you talk a little bit more about that? And do you know any efforts that are underway that are, that, that are more about prevention that people should be aware of? Well, certainly about 15% of funds that are raised go to prevention at all, and only about 5% of that goes to looking at the environmental causes of breast mm-hmm. cancer. And that's a big problem. Most of the money goes on detecting and treating cancers that are already present in the body. Mm-hmm. And of course, that that's a Band-Aid approach that isn't going to lead to dramatic change uh, and to fewer people being diagnosed in the first place, which is really what we want. There are researchers that do preventative research, but it's very hard for them to get money because that's not where the interests of the cancer research establishment really lie. Mm. That's interesting. So, you know, what I think, too, on that front uh, you know, someone who tries to practice a healthy lifestyle like I do and Samantha and, and you know, and, and really looking at some of the causes and, you know, thinking, too, that prior to the 20th century, I mean, cancer was not a huge problem in this country. Um, and, you know, there are a lot of things that have happened during the past century that have contributed to that. And then I see, you know, campaigns like uh, Coleman's Buckets for the Cure, where, you know, you actually are raising money for uh, this cancer cause from deep fried chicken. And, you know, it seems like a double problem of, you know what I mean, in the sense like, you know, not only are you maybe raising money for and and, and wondering whether it's solving the problem, but you're actually supporting a product here that may support and create cancers. Exactly. And that's what I meant when I said that I think we need to distinguish between the different campaigns. There are certainly campaigns like the KFC Mm-hmm. Coleman Partnership, uh, lots of oil and gas companies have partnerships with breast cancer organizations. In fact, when I was driving to the airport last week, they were erect- erecting a huge pink ribbon mm-hmm. on <laughs> the the entrance to the the local gas station. Mm-hmm. And uh, these are these are products that contain or emit known carcinogens. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what that's what critics call pinkwashing when companies that produce products that may contribute to cancer also market their their mm-hmm. themselves through a relationship to breast cancer organizations. Mm-hmm. I'm now, interested. Now, oh, sorry, Jill. Well, <laughs> no, I, you know, Samantha, I'm sorry, Megan, but you know what I wanted to ask you too is, in some ways, I think the three of us are really on the same page in terms of like, you know, there are a lot of good things that can come out of um, companies supporting causes and you know promoting causes and getting the word out on them. Samantha, do you look out there and say, you know, I wish, I wish all this. Pinktober promotion was benefiting this cause instead of cancer, because in this area, we could really make a difference. Certainly, I there are people who believe that, uh, and people within the breast cancer movement who believe that what we need is not more money. We just need to spend it differently. Mm-hmm. And that there are lots of other causes that might not be so marketable, so right. sexy, uh, yep. as, as as breast cancer is often described in that way, ironically, I think. Uh, and, and, and I think there's some truth to that argument. I try to avoid the pitting the diseases against sure. one another, yeah. no, but I do think... Sense. 
we have to question why it is that we are so invested in breast cancer as a society and not as invested in lung cancer or domestic violence or other issues that might not be so marketable. Yeah, right. And I think you hit on the word, though, the marketable. Right. And that's part of the challenge. Yes, and I think it's important to remember, though, that 30 years ago it would have been unimaginable that corporations would have been competing with one another to attach their name to breast cancer. So it's not that breast cancer was always seen as marketable. Uh, We've really changed the meanings associated with the disease over the years. I'm interested to know, because I think Joe and I would probably have a very similar checklist for consumers in October for things to look out for. But I'm interested from your perspective, what do you tell people to be looking for in October if they if they are choosing to purchase products that that are supporting some sort of breast cancer awareness or prevention or what have you? What are you telling people to look out for? or What would you counsel people to look for? Well, I encourage people to look for the small print, and if they can't see it and they don't know where the money's going or how much of a donation the company is making, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't buy the product. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also tend to tell people that if they really care about breast cancer, uh, the more efficient way to donate money might be to go directly to an organization who's work they support rather than filtering it through a corporation. I'm all for corporations donating money to causes, and many of them do it without reference to their bottom line. But I think things get messy when uh, it's so the, the donation is so clearly tied to marketing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and profit-making. You know, you know it, it's interesting on that front, too. And, you know, where I see, the, you know, the reason for companies doing cause marketing packs in so many instances, Samantha, is because when they market those causes to their consumers, you can actually really get the word out and raise more money for that cause by linking it with consumers as opposed to companies just making donations. You know what I mean? Like there's an incredible, um, you know, power in activating consumers that companies have this ability to do that they don't when they just give money anonymously. And I agree, I agree with you. It's probably a, a better form of altruism, mm-hmm. um, but I don't know if the cause is better served. Well, it's a really interesting point. It's quite hard to get figures on the this the, the pink ribbon marketing industry because of the 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 kind of secrecy clauses that govern agreements between nonprofits and corporations. But what we know is that actually a very small percentage of money spent on breast cancer research in the U.S. comes from cause-related marketing. The vast majority of it still comes from the government, mm-hmm. uh, and so. Well, I agree with you that I think the, the 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 awareness potential, though of course I would want to question what we mean by awareness yeah, right. of, yeah. of yep. these of the yep. marketing of these products is huge. The yep. actual financial impact uh, as a as a total of as a percentage of the total is quite small. Mm-hmm. When you've been watching this movement for quite some time, so in your mind, are there any benefits to? breast cancer now being in the spotlight and being, you know, we we all have plenty to criticize, especially in October, but, but what good has the, has this achieved, if any? The one thing I would say is that for some people with breast cancer, women mostly, I think it's still highly stigmatized 
uh, for men to to be public with the diagnosis. But for for many women, there is a possibility now to talk openly about their diagnosis, to connect with other women that would not have been possible 30 or 40 years ago. That's partly as a result of uh, the marketing of the mm. disease. It's a, it's a result of a lot of other things, the women's health movement and, right. and, and the spread of screening into the general population. But I do think that, that, that this has played a part in that, and that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting, Samantha, what you said earlier, too, in the sense like, and, and you know, this is one of the things I counsel, counsel a lot of nonprofits and for-profits on is like, you know, the money that you raise from cause marketing is, you know, compared to the total dollars raised by a nonprofit is actually fairly small, as you said, um, you know, generally five to 15 percent, even someone like Coleman that raises over, you know, we want to say what, 40, 50 million dollars a year with uh, with cause marketing, you know, they're raising over $400 million additionally yeah. from other sources. So, it, I mean, it's like, you know, yeah, it's it's still 10%, but but it's not as big as, uh, as people think it is. That's why in some ways I think it's the promotion that we get out of cause marketing that is really so helpful that we're able to tap into these corporate channels uh, to promote messages. But as you point out, are we promoting the right messages? And that's really my concern. I always say awareness of what? When people say, well, at least we're making people more aware. And the research shows that women uh, in the United States and in Canada, where I live, actually overestimate their risk of breast cancer because they're so hyper aware. And then that leads to a bunch of other problems, like people taking up prophylactic double mastectomies as a preventative measure mm-hmm. uh and and, and that's uh you know that, that yeah that brings with it another set of problems so i think that uh we know that breast cancer exists uh people generally know they should get screened but that again is a problematic because there's huge controversy about the effectiveness of mammography. So what are the messages that we are giving people and i think if we could change the messages i would be uh, more inclined towards this approach to the disease. So what mm. what should the messages be then? Like in a in a, an ideal world, if all of these companies in October that pinkified themselves, uh, you know, and, and did so with good intention, what what would those messages be, and and how could that affect change? Well, I would like to see messages about the need for clean air and clean water and safe working places. And those are areas that have the potential to affect thousands of people who might contract cancer as opposed to individual messages about going to get screened and thus detecting cancers after they've already developed. But of course, the problem with that is that for some corporations that would, you know, drawing attention to environmental factors in cancer would not uh, coalesce with the, the kinds of products they produce. So I think it's it's a hard thing to figure out, but that's mm-hmm. what I would like to see, more of a focus on prevention, not the cure. You know, Samantha, what I'd like to see, too, is a better focus on diet and nutrition and health. And, you know, all the things that we need to do to, you know, to be much more preventative when it comes to cancers in general. I mean, that would be something that I think would, you know, a lot of these dollars could focus on. And and food quality, because often yep. when we think of diet, we think of 
caloric intake and obesity, which is shown to have very little effect in terms of breast cancer, but certainly the quality of the food we eat, I think, is a key area. Mm-hmm. And and herein lies the problem, exactly what we're talking about. I mean, you're talking about a much more complex message than go get a mammogram. I mean, exactly. that's therein lies yep. the challenge. And yeah, I mean, I, I can see how. But you know what, Megan, what I think is so interesting, though, is like, and, you know, I think the thing the three of us have to concede is like, that's not the way marketing works. You know, it's like its own animal and it takes its own life. And we always can't choose the issues that rise to the top. And it's Mm -hmm. like, well, what do we do with the ones that do go to the top? And, you know, how do we put, you know, how do we put that to best use? And I think, uh, Samantha, you've had a lot of really thoughtful and considerate remarks on that. I think the other thing is for, you know, corporate marketing executives, I've noticed when I interview them that that oftentimes I'll ask them, you know, why did you pick breast cancer? Mm -hmm. And oftentimes they're very surprised by that question. They haven't really thought about it. They're just doing it because everyone else does it, which really flies in the face, as you know, of marketing know-how. Usually you want to distinguish your product from those of your competitors. And so I think just a little more thought about this particular issue Mm -hmm. uh, is really necessary. Yeah. And, you know, Samantha, you bring up a good point, too, because, you know, it always surprises people when I tell them. But I tell them that most of the companies I speak to, they are not wedded to one cause. They are Mm -hmm. not devoted to cancer or heart disease or, uh, you know, cleaning up our water supply or anything like that. You know what I mean? That, that it, there's, there's, a, there's a heart to a lot of these issues, but there's also people like thinking about what they should be supporting that goes into this. And this is my reason why I talk to a lot of nonprofits like, you know, you really have to find a way of distinguishing yourself and building your brand because there are a lot of other factors besides I care that goes into a company's decision to support you. Yes. I'm I'm curious to know you wrote this book in 2006. Clearly you've been researching this for a long time. How have things changed in this market since you wrote the book? Um and the movie has pretty much just recently come out. So so how have things changed? You know, ha- have you gotten any reaction to the, to the book or the movie that um really made you stand up and take notice? It's a very interesting question, and it's, my response is a little paradoxical. <laughs> Certainly over the past six years, the number of calls I get from media outlets who are interested in offering a critical perspective on Breast Cancer Awareness Month and on Pink Ribbon Marketing has grown exponentially. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the industry has also grown. Mm-hmm. And, yep. uh, of course, Things did change dramatically earlier this year with the the Coleman Planned Parenthood uh, debacle, and uh, it's I, it's unclear I think at this point, given that Coleman is the the leader in in breast cancer marketing in the U.S. and given that their reputation has been tarnished, it's unclear what the fallout will be. I think we're seeing a lot of pink this October, in part because those contracts were already probably in place mm-hmm. before yeah, the controversy right. broke. Uh, so I'm not I'm not sure what's going to happen, but I have to say every year I think this can't continue in this way. I mean, I did the research for that book. I started in 1998, and I was worried it wouldn't have a shelf life, and, and here we are in, wow. uh, in 2012. Well, you know, and I think that for me, the challenging part is somebody who watches the cause marketing industry very, very closely. To me, the challenge with October is that 
you see this, everything turns pink, and you see so many terrible campaigns. I mean, for the rest of the year, I'm hard-pressed to find something that I'm like, oh, you know, really, this they're not giving any information. It, it is a dime a dozen in October. I'm like, really? There's You don't even list a nonprofit? You don't talk about... I mean, it's 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 horrendous to me. So it's, it's just interesting. You're right that it, it is amazing that this continues to increase, but yet, yet it does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it works. Uh, there, there's, there's something very familiar and comforting about it. And clearly, uh, as you know, as experts in this field, businesses wouldn't keep doing it if it wasn't working. Mm-hmm. That's what, yeah, and that's what you know, Samantha. That's what I always say too. It's like there's a reason <laughs> that we see all these products, all these pink ribbons, all these pink products during the month of October is because it does motivate people to buy more, which is what companies want at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. So, Samantha, we have, again, come to the end of our show, and we always get to the end too quickly. But if people want to find out more about you or about Pink Ribbons, Inc., how can they find out more? Well, Pink Ribbons, Inc. uh, has a a website. If you just uh, actually Google nfb.ca and put Pink Ribbons in there, there's a synopsis of the film, interviews with the directors, trailers, and so on. And I also, uh, I also have a, a web page with uh, information about my work. Fantastic. Well, we will include that in our show notes. Okay. And Mr. Waters, where can people find out more about you if they so desire? Well, in the spirit of the conversation today, <laughs> I have actually shared a post on my blog today asking people to take the pledge and no pink for Nancy Brinker in October, uh, which means signing a petition to ask Nancy to quit uh, Coleman. And I've also created a Pinterest board uh, for people to discover alternatives to supporting Coleman. So what I'm saying is there are a lot of great causes out there, a lot of great breast cancer causes. Uh, let's exclude uh, Coleman during October so we can send them a message and you can find that on selfish giving today but of course minute to minute megan people can find me at joe waters on twitter what about you megan uh where can they find you i will be watching the fallout from your huffington post article (laughs) also on twitter at megan strand and for the cause marketing forum at tweet cmf and i blog pretty regularly on these types of programs at causeupdate.com and you can find cause talk radio and all of the other rashpixel.tv shows on itunes and Stitcher Smart Radio. And on behalf of Joe and Samantha and myself, we thank you for joining us for this episode of Cause Talk Radio. We will see you next time. 